Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. And let's hold them up together, and we're going to read this nice and loud from our hearts to God's ears. You ready? Let's read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if you're a quick flipper, You can turn to Proverbs chapter 29 and Jeremiah chapter 29. I didn't plan that. Change same chapters, two books. Proverbs 29, Jeremiah 29. Let me just start with this. I just want to put some questions. You don't have to answer out loud. I'm going to give you the answer, but let them resonate in your heart. How does a couple save a marriage that's on the verge of, of divorce. Only God can do it. How do you climb out of insurmountable financial loss, debt, pressure, or lack? Only God can do it. How do you break past circumstances that leave you depressed and feeling hopeless? Come on, you know the answer. Only God can do it. How do you move past a rut in your relationship with God? I mean, spiritually, you just feel dry. You feel stuck. You feel lifeless. Or even worse, you're beginning to backslide. Go in the wrong direction. I got good news. Only God can can do it. How does a person or a family break past all of the negative ramifications from COVID-19? Or even worse, the loss of a loved one or a friend to COVID-19? Only God can do it. And the truth is, life is full of circumstances that are are at times, they're, they're impossible to move past on our own, emphasis added. And and, and to, to kind of add to all of that, 2021 was really hard and really crazy in so many ways, so many ways and for so many people. And if we're being truthful, we're only nine days into 2022. And if you're paying attention at all to the news, It doesn't look like we're off to such a great start this year either. Isn't that true? So how do we move past all of that? Where does help come from? I was reminded of Psalm 121. Psalm 121, it's called a psalm of ascents. The the Jewish people were going to Jerusalem, and as they're ascending the hills to the heights of Jerusalem, the, the psalmist pens Psalm 121, and he says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? 
My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and evermore. Can somebody say amen? It's important that we take time at the beginning of the year and to realign our hearts and to realign our, our attitudes and to realign our faith and to recognize and to come to the realization amidst of all of the crazy stuff that we might be going through individually or as a church family, only God can give us breakthrough. Only God can move us past the seemingly impossible. This is perhaps one of the greatest passages in the Bible that illuminates how God is our protector and how God is the only real and trustworthy source and help for mankind. And that's why our senior pastor and our church team believes that the Lord has spoken to us very clearly as we start 2022. And we're just giving us a series title, Only God Can Do It, but the subtitle super, super important, Setting Our Course for a Breakthrough Year. Would you say that last part with me? Come on. Setting our course for a breakthrough year. So it's important that we understand it's not just all up to God. We have to make a decision personally and to set our course, to realign some things, to readjust some things so that we can begin to follow God at a fresh new level so that he can help us to break through the areas that seem impossible. And just for clarity's sake, I want us to understand, what do you mean, Pastor Robert, when you say breakthrough? Well, a breakthrough is an act or an instance of moving through or moving beyond an obstacle. And think about your life spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially. Come on, psychologically. Every area of your life, God cares about every area of your life. And there could be people here today, people that might be watching on Facebook, who are struggling in one or more than one of those areas. God doesn't want you to stay in your struggle. God doesn't want you to stall out. God wants to help you this year break through, break past, break beyond those things that are limiting you and keeping you from experiencing the life that God has for you. And I just want to say this, it's so important that we realize breakthrough isn't only limited to people who have a crisis. It, it isn't limited to people who need God to part the Red Sea. Many, many times in our walk with God, breakthrough is progressive. It's little by little by little, layer upon layer upon layer. And let me just be honest, that's a lifetime of walking with God. Little by little by little, he causes you to experience the life of God flowing in and through your life. Now, this means that we have a part to play with God. When we say only God can do it, I don't mean we just wake up and we just say, oh God, it's all up to you. Uh, I just believe you're with me. I just believe you got me. I believe you're going to make it work. 
Listen, it's okay to say that, but to say that by shrugging any type of personal responsibility is not biblical. We have to understand that God loves us so much at every age and at every stage. He loves you so much that he's given us a book called the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. And if we learn to digest it and we learn to feed on it, the Bible's full of principles from God that will help us to partner with him so that we do the possible and he does the impossible. Amen? So when I say only God can do it, I don't mean we just leave it all up to him and we don't find out what the scripture says about my part so that I can set my course to walk with God into breakthrough. So starting today, we're going to give you five biblical principles or five biblical steps that we can actually begin to take so that we can walk with God through this year into a life of breakthrough. Okay, amen. Can you say amen? This is where the homework comes into place. Come on, Pastor Rob, you're giving me homework. Just a little bit of homework. This is our part so that God can do his part. The title of today's message is Remembering My God-Given Vision. Would you say it with me? Come on, all of us say it together. Remembering my God-given vision. Now, for the sake of this talk, I want us to be clear on what I mean by vision, okay? It's a little lengthy, but I think it's appropriate. Vision is a specific God-given goal or outcome that God wants you to pursue for the future that is not yet fully realized in your life. Now, I'm not talking about name it and claim it, if you've ever heard that terminology before. I'm not talking about just living any old way you want to and just believing God for this or believing God for that without partnering with him and doing the work. I'm talking about pursuing a relationship with God that is real time, that is pulling in his truth, that is pulling in his word. And as we do that, God begins to give us this vision. He begins to help us to remember what he's spoken into our lives, the goals and the purposes that are of God. It's important that we recognize that. So here's the very first step, real simple, fill in the blank. Step number one to breakthrough in 2022. I must remember my God-given vision. Would you say that with me? I must remember my God-given vision. Remember, you know what that means. It means to call to mind. It means to call to remembrance or to remind oneself of something. See, in our relationship with God, there are times that God is going to speak to us, that God is going to whisper to us, that God is going to show us things, and they leave this spiritual impression of something that God wants to do in and through our lives. But in order to realize that vision from God, we have to rediscover it. We have to mine it. We have to remember it. We have to stir ourselves up to keep the vision alive, to keep the vision from God front and center. How many of you ever heard of Sylvester Stallone? Sylvester Stallone. Anybody here of Sylvester Stallone? Well, I just want to give you a little bit of insight. Some of you may know this, but go with me because it makes sense. He had it really rough as a child. He was bullied. He was taunted in school, and he was in and out of foster homes. 
And he didn't have it much easier as an adult either. He wasn't able to earn a steady income. He had to sell his dog because he couldn't afford to feed it. Either he ate or the dog ate. And the dog had to go. And it was only two weeks after selling his dog that he sat down after being inspired and after writing for 20 hours straight, the Rocky script was born. And after being rejected hundreds of times, Stallone was finally given a nod by United Artists for $125,000 to make the movie. But only if Stallone would not star in it. And Stallone refused. He was finally offered $325,000, but he wouldn't accept it unless he starred in it. And finally, a compromise was made. They would allow him to play the role of Rocky, but would only pay him $35,000 and a percentage of the profits as a concession. Well, we know the end of the story. He conceded and he accepted Well, Stallone's first purchase with his $35,000 windfall was buying his dog back for way more than he sold him for. Any dog lovers out there would say amen right there, right? Now, the Rocky movie cost $1 million to make, and it grossed over $200 million. And his sequels grossed over a billion dollars. So what's the point? You see, Stallone had a vision. And every time it was rejected, he made a decision to remember his vision. And no matter what happened, he never quit. Can somebody say amen? See, as a Christian, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, God has a vision for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Discovering it and remembering it takes some effort on our part. Proverbs 29, 18. Let's look at it together. Proverbs 29, 18. Some of you know this. The book of Proverbs is written by King Solomon. And it's known as the book of wisdom. There's a lot of contrasts in the book of Proverbs. Between living foolishly like there is no God. And living wisely in a relationship with God. Following after what God says. And in this particular verse, there's a nugget of powerful truth that's connected to the God-given vision that God has for your life. Proverbs 29, 18 in the ESV says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Now let me just kind of Bring this into context and help us to understand how this applies to us today. Obviously, we're not in the Old Testament, so we don't have to adhere to, quote, unquote, the law. Jesus completed everything that needed to be done so we can be in right relationship with God. But what I want you to know is in the Old Testament, the primary way that God spoke to his people was through prophets. God would speak or give visions or give dreams to men and women that were considered prophets of God, and they would speak or they would declare the wisdom and the direction and the counsel of God. So think about that in its context. It's saying where people didn't have this prophetic vision, where people didn't hear the prophet of God speaking the words of God, there was no ability to see. 
There was no ability to see life from God's perspective, to follow where God was leading them. So it says they would cast off restraint because they didn't see where they had to go. What does that mean? Some other translations say people would perish. But I think that's a, that's a, a poor translation. I like the word cast off restraint better because the original Hebrew word means to loose or to let go. So think about it. If you didn't have any way to see what God was showing you through the man of God or the woman of God that was speaking, you would just loosely live your life any way you wanted to. Let go of God. Let go of God's ways. Let go of God's word. Let go of God's direction. And it would come to naught. But the end of this verse says, but happy or blessed or enviable is the person who catches the vision from God through the prophet, and his end is going to be blessed. Why? Because God's vision gives direction. God's vision gives life. God's vision gives purpose. Can you say amen? So this is so applicable to us, and this is where it starts. You know, the title of the message is Remembering Your God-Given Vision. There might be people here or people that are watching on Facebook, and they're like, "Uh, I don't even think I have a God-given vision. Well, You have one. You may not have discovered it yet, but you have one. I love Jeremiah 33. He's speaking, and he says, call to God, and he will show you great and mighty things that you know not of. So calling to God, going after a relationship with God, feeding on God's word, feeding on Jesus, hearing Bible-based preaching and teaching, just absorbing the scriptures. When we do that, we're positioned for God to begin to show us things, to begin to illuminate our heart illuminates our spirit so that we begin to catch what it is God is saying to us and what God wants to do through us. That's this prophetic vision. It's when God speaks the life of his plan, the life of his purpose into your life. And he shows you, maybe he wants you to step into something different this year that seems absolutely impossible, but he's going to give you a vision for that. He's going to enable you to step into it. And little by little by little, God is going to begin to adjust things, make the seemingly impossible possible so that you can experience breakthrough in your life. But that starts with vision. That starts with finding out what God is showing me. What God is saying, these words, prophetic vision, it literally means to see. And it carries the idea of having a mental image so sharp, so clear that you're able to picture something in your own mind. And it causes you to say, I can see it. I can see what God is wanting me to do. I can see how God is wanting me to live. I can see where God is wanting me to go. But it starts with catching this vision. And it starts with remembering this vision. So for the rest of our time here, I just want to give you three benefits. These are three powerful benefits of remembering, stirring up, discovering, and drawing from your God-given vision. If you're with me so far, say amen. Come on, number one, fill in the blank. My God-given vision renews hope. Benefit number one, my God-given vision renews hope. Come on, say it with me. My God-given vision 
renews hope. How many of you ever heard Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a, come on, say it with me, hope. Now, good Bible interpretation and good Bible study says you have to start with the context. You can't pull things out of context and just try to make them fit into your life. And that's the proper way to read and study and interpret the Bible. So some people might say, well, Pastor Robert, that's not written for us. Well, it wasn't written for us originally. This was written to God's people who, unfortunately, they had a falling out with God because of their disobedience. And God allowed the Babylonian king and army to cause them to be uprooted from their homeland, from their worship, from everything they had in close connection with God. And they were exiled out of their own land, out of relationship with God, out of temple worship the way they knew it. And it was very depressing. It was very discouraging. And because God had spoken good things over his people, because God had a good vision for his people, because God had plans and details and a blueprint that included blessing and goodness and grace and fruitfulness and abundance, that's God's heart for his people, is it not? So in the middle of their exile, in the middle of a hopeless and seemingly impossible situation, the prophet of God comes on the scene and he reminds them of their God-given vision. God is saying, don't be limited by what you're looking at. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Come on, people need to know that God loves them, especially the ones that are in the family. They've already said yes to Jesus. He has a future for you. It's filled with the goodness of God. It's filled with his plans. This word plans, it literally means like a schematic. It's detailed. It's drawn out. It's thought through. He's not missing anything as it pertains to your life. He's that concerned. He loves you that much. And so the very, very first benefit of remembering your God-given vision is that when we remember and we dig up our God-given vision, it renews hope. And this word hope, it's not like, you know, I hope so. Man, I'm just, you know, I'm just barely hanging on. I just I hope something works in my relationship with God. No, this word hope, it means a confident, a joyful. It's an expectation that's looking to God because you trust him. By the way, did you know that one of the names of God in the Bible is the God of hope? Romans 15, 13, if you're taking notes, it says this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, listen, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, say this after me. I make a decision to abound in hope. Yeah, see, when when you remember what God has spoken to your heart, the things that he wants to do, man, it just renews your hope. Some of you might think, well, Pastor Robert, you know, that's easy for you because you're a pastor. It's not easy for me. 
It's, it's, it's just as difficult at times for me, for pastors, just as it is for everybody else. I have to make a decision to keep remembering what God has shown me, to keep remembering what God has shown me for your lives, for the life of this church, for the family of God and Gastonia, for our lives. I have a decision to keep stirring myself up and digging that up. And when I do, hope comes. I sense it. I just know it. I'm reminded. I'm refreshed. I'm strengthened in my relationship with God. Can you say amen? Here's the second thing. Second benefit to remembering your God-given vision. My God-given vision strengthens discipline and directs action. Come on, say it with me, church. My God-given vision strengthens discipline and directs action. I, I might have lost some of you with the word discipline. But, but listen, hang in there with me. Let, let, me, let me explain what I mean, right? Um, so Jeremiah 29, we're still there. Jeremiah 29, 11. Remember, for I know the thoughts or the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord. Plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and hope. Most people just kind of stop there. That's good. That's what I needed to hear. This camp. Well, let, let, no, let's go to the next verse. Let's look at verses 12 and 13, because he goes on and he says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Can somebody say, I'm a God seeker? Come on, I'm a God seeker. This is so important. This decision to remember our vision, it will direct discipline. It will direct action. It will cause me to remember, only God can do it. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So picture that with me. You're stirred up. You're remembering what God's shown you. You're remembering what God has for you, for your kids, for your family, for your career, for your health, for your future, for your relationship with God. Can you say amen? He wants to do some things in you, and as your hope is being renewed, that's going to direct some discipline and some action, and it's going to cause you to begin to call on God. It's going to cause you to begin to make a decision to pray to the God who answers prayer. It's going to cause you to make a decision to seek the Lord, to go after him, to make him your pursuit. You know, the Bible says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. So how often do I seek him? Where's my time invested? How much time have I cut out of my week, of my day to invest in seeking the Lord and praying. We want to help you. I need God's help to pray more. So we've put this together. I hope you got one. 21 days of prayer and fasting. It starts tomorrow. I haven't been looking forward to this because I love to eat tacos. I love some good Mexican food. And I've been like, oh God, I so need your help because I love to eat. 
But if we can just make a decision to direct our discipline and our action to going after God, he's going to show up in this prayer and fasting endeavor. He's going to renew our hope. He's going to show us things. He's going to help us walk closer with him. We're going to experience more of his presence, more of his power. We're going to begin to correct some things and adjust some things and walk with him more closely, allowing him, being postured so that he can do what only he can do. Amen? Someone might say, well, Pastor Robert, that's, I don't know if I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. There's three simple steps. If you just take some time and go through this, make a decision now. Prepare your heart today to start your, fa- your fasting and prayer tomorrow. We're going to do this through the end of the month. And you just decide, what am I going to fast? What am I going to pull away from not feeding on this so that I can feed on God? So that I can feed on God's word. So that I can feed on Jesus. If you'll do that, God will begin to speak to you. He'll begin to restore you, refresh you, show you things. Let me give you an example. You can make a decision. I'm not going to eat breakfast and lunch, hypothetically. I'm going to have a good dinner, appropriate dinner, but I'm not going to eat breakfast and lunch. And instead of breakfast and lunch, I'm going to invest some extra time. I'm going to read my chapter. I'm going to pray. There's a bunch of resources on our website so that you can do this. Or you might say, I'm also going to add to it media, TV. I'm not going to watch TV during this time. Instead of watching TV, I'm going to feed on Jesus. I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to invest some time with Jesus. Fasting is so powerful. It's not to get God to do something, church. Fasting positions our hearts to become more pliable. To hear him more clearly, to see him more clearly, to recognize him more clearly. Amen. It does something to the one who's pursuing God. God shows up and begins to make himself known and makes himself real in a way you've yet to see him, discover him, and walk with him. So please jump in with us. Listen, I told you last week that on Monday night, I'm going to do a Facebook Live uh, encouragement. Um, I'm going to change it to Tuesday though. I have to change it to Tuesday. I didn't realize I've got some other meetings via Zoom on Monday night. But I think we want to get in on this because I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the purpose of fasting, some ways that we can do really, really well in our fasting and our prayer. And I want to look at some time to pray together. Some people may not even know how to pray. And we're going to take time and we're going to pray together and we're going to pray through some of these things so that we can experience God in a fresh new way. Somebody say, I want to experience God. I want to experience God in a fresh new way. Okay, let's keep moving forward. Number three, number three, I want you to notice. So if you've made a decision already to remember your God-given vision and hope is being renewed, now you're pursuing God, you're finding God, you're praying, you're calling on God, you're spending time reading your Bible, and maybe investing time and listening to some messages that will encourage you. I want you to notice what begins to happen and the course that that begins to set you on. We're still in Jeremiah 29. Look at verse 14. God says this, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. 
I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Now, I want to bring this into New Testament light. New Testament light. It's so important you make this connection. When we read about the life of Jesus and we see Jesus, we're reading about and we're seeing the fullness of the Father in expression. Jesus said, if you've seen me, come on, finish it with me. You've seen the Father. Is that what he said? The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That's what Jesus did. Jesus went around preaching the gospel. Repentance, turning from your life and your sin to enter into the kingdom of God. And when you get in the kingdom of God, he wants to build you and strengthen you and grow you and transform you. And that's a progressive, lifelong work. Jesus isn't going around causing you to get sick. Jesus isn't looking to scold you in such a way where he brings harm to you, to rip you off, to cause something bad to happen to you. No, Jesus is a good shepherd. Jesus loves his sheep. Jesus is doing everything he can to move you forward in relationship with him. I want you to know that because this says that God caused his people to be carried away into captivity. The truth of the matter is that we're in an era of grace. It's different from the Old Testament. And in that time, the only way God can get to his people is he would allow the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in their lives only because he loved them and he wanted them to turn and begin to walk with God like they did at the beginning. Amen. Can you say amen? It's important that we see that because here it clearly says that God caused them to be carried away. God's not looking to carry you away into the hands of the enemy. That's not what I'm saying. What I want us to focus in and hear what God says. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will bring you back. Wherever you might be right now in your relationship with God, I promise there's more. He wants to take you further in your relationship with God. Some people might be in a position right now in their relationship with God. It's not that good. You're stalled out. You're imprisoned. Some prisons don't have a bar but you're still in prison. You can't break free. You can't break forward. And God is saying, if we'll remember our God-given vision, if we'll begin to renew our hope, if we'll begin to direct some discipline and some action to pray to him and to go after him, this says, listen, you're going to find me. And when you find me, I'm going to bring you back from your captivity. I'm going to bring you back to the place where you were before. I'm going to cause you to begin to experience me and walk with me in fresh new ways. Here's your third fill in the blank. I'm going to have the worship team come back up to the platform now. The third fill in the blank, if you're taking notes, write this down. My God-given vision sets me free to follow God with my whole heart. Come on, would you say that with me, church? My God-given vision sets me free to follow God with my whole heart. Sometimes in our relationship with God, when we're stuck, we're not free to follow God at the level that he wants us to. And as we begin to pursue him, as we begin to kind of 
posture our lives, setting the course to go after him, little by little by little, God will bring us back to the place where we were when we first came into relationship with him. We loved him. And we were passionate about serving him and walking with him. Sometimes over time in relationship, that begins to wane. And God wants us to come back to that place where we were at one time. You know, in the book of Revelation, some of you may have heard this. The Bible says that Jesus is speaking to the churches. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open up to me, I will come in to you and I will dine with you and you with me. Have you ever heard that before? Here's the thing. A lot of times pastors or churches will use that speaking to people who aren't in a relationship with God through Jesus. And I'm sure there's application for that, but that's not the context in which he said that. Here's the context. He said that to the church. He said that to people who were in a relationship with him. And I just believe that God wants to take some people and he wants to refuel the vision that he has for us. He wants to renew our hope. He wants to have us to begin to pursue him, to pray, to read his word, to invest time with him. And as we do that, we're going to find him. As we do that, he's going to bring us back to that place of first love relationship where we're passionate about Jesus, where we want to serve God. Listen, friend, as we do this, we're going to begin to reposition our lives, setting the course for breakthrough in 2022. Have you been blessed by the word this morning? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.